Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. I'm Frank to Tank Mark Sack. And I'm Tony Diagostino. And we are the Know It All. And here we are. We've made it to our ninth episode. Can you believe it, Frankie? <laughs> no, I can't, man. No, I can't. And this just happens to be the 16th to last episode as well. Unless Ooh, the countdown continues. Unless we somehow get to 100 subscribers. I'm still waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting patiently. And I believe first up we have some NBA news, right, Frankie? Sure do. Houston has been killing it as of late, and the Rockets are currently the number three seed in the Western Conference. Dwight Howard has made the most out of a change of scenery and is completely dominating like he used to in Orlando. Howard is averaging 19 points, 13 rebounds, and two blocks per game. James Harden doesn't play defense, but he sure knows how to put the ball in the hoop and is one of the best scorers in the NBA. The problem I have with the Rockets is that they are really weak at the power forward position, and Terrence Jones was good earlier in the season, but is struggling mightily now. Also, the Rockets bench is very thin, and that will create issues because head coach Kevin McHale will have to depend on heavy minutes for his starters. I don't see Houston making it past the first round. Tony, what do you think about Houston? As good as they are currently playing, I don't see them winning a playoff round, Frankie. I don't like their bench, and James Harden's defensive efforts will keep this team from achieving at the highest level. Also, I do agree with you on the power forward position. Uh, They seem to be very thin there. I'm not sure what's going on with Omer Ashik. Does he play at all? He has played a little bit lately, but I think that might have been a possible ploy for a team they yeah. need to be interested in mm-hmm. him. So right. now he'll be back to doing what he's done for most of the season. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yep. Um, it's really interesting, though. They're paying this guy a lot of money. $15 of million money. next year, by the way. He can't play the power forward position anyways, though. That's why they won't win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the few really bad moves that Houston's made in the last few years. Yeah, definitely the worst. They've made some good ones, but that's definitely the worst. Yeah. When's his contract up next year? Uh-huh. Yes, after next oh, season. Oh, man. They're going to be stuck with him until then. No one's going to trade for him. No one. No one wants that contract. That's the problem, man. That is the problem. That's a huge contract for somebody that was really unproven. And he had a good year last year. Yeah, and everybody here in Chicago should be happy the Bulls didn't match that deal. Or couldn't match that deal. Oh, I Jeff Van Gundy say. wasn't. Jeff Van Gundy was just... <laughs> So angry at the fact that Ashik wasn't with the Bulls, which didn't didn't make any well, sense. Well, Jeff to me. Van Gundy works for ESPN and not the NBA for a reason, Frankie. <laughs> sure does. Hopefully, he's done with his coaching days. Russell Westbrook came back to play his first game in two months on February 20th against the Miami Heat and didn't look like he was rusty at all. Westbrook is what the Thunder needs if they want to be in the hunt for an NBA title. With Westbrook coming back, it takes pressure off Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka to be the Thunder's only scoring options. Westbrook has averaged 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 7 assists per game. He has been having problems with his right knee, and I have a feeling that he's not done with his issues there yet. I can see the Thunder winning a couple rounds in the playoffs, but not the title. We saw how they are against Miami. No contest there. Tony, how do you think Westbrook's return will affect the Thunder going into May? What do you got for me? I think Kevin Durant will be able to relax a little bit more now, even if he may not want to. Oak City has the look of a championship team, regardless of that match against Miami the other night. But I will say this, Frankie, 
The playoffs are all about matchups. At this point, the Thunder have learned how to play with and without Westbrook. Obviously, if he stays healthy, you can pencil in Oklahoma City for the Western Conference Finals. You don't agree with me there? I agree. But if, they're, if they're fully healthy, but I... It's like I said, though, the matchups, too, are key. I don't know if they could beat San Antonio And isn't this Westbrook's third knee surgery on his right knee? Third this year. Well, in the last, in the last 12 months. 12 months. Yes. That's... Yeah. That... That doesn't seem good to me, man. That, well, it's concerning, but at least he's back now. You never know with these knee injuries, though. He can go two years without getting another one, or he can go two weeks. You just and, never know. And that's the crazy thing. Westbrook hadn't missed a game or had missed maybe just a couple in his NBA career and college career. I don't believe he missed a game in high school or college or any games until the playoffs last year. That's wild, man. I believe I believe that's correct. Yeah, that that's pretty wild. There weren't any blockbuster trades that went down at the deadline, but there was some decent ones. Evan Turner was traded to Indiana for Danny Granger on February 20th. Granger was very angry about going to Philadelphia, and so would I, and I'm told he is trying to request a buyout. If that's the case, the Heat and Clippers would be the most likely places for Granger to land. Evan Turner just makes the Pacers that much more dangerous and gives them another great scoring option. The 76ers didn't just make one move. They also traded Spencer Hawes to Cleveland for two second-round picks. Personally, I don't think it will matter much to Cleveland's success, but who knows? I mean, Hawes was doing decent in Philly before he got traded. Tony, what did you think about the lack of teams pulling the trigger at the trade deadline? Well, like you said, nobody got significantly better. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Brooklyn. Getting Jason Collins will put them over the top and into the NBA Finals. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I'm just kidding. That was a publicity stunt. Brooklyn, oh man, they're in some they're in some trouble. Not because they signed Jason Collins, but because of their salary cap situation. That team is old and terrible, and I don't know. Aren't they like the fifth seed right now in the playoffs? Yeah, fifth. No, or maybe the sixth. Jason Collins is going to give them depth. I mean, they needed somebody up front, but yeah, they'd rather I, have they'd rather have Glenn Davis, but yeah, he was taken by the Clippers. Yeah, so. sure. What that that might be the best move actually. Yeah, I think Len Davis is definitely going to help that team. Yeah, because the Clippers didn't have anybody either coming off the bench for the uh, power forward position. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. I'm really surprised there wasn't a big deal at yeah. the deadline. I was really surprised that Luol Deng wasn't traded because that was talked about a lot yeah. going into the deadline. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every team in the NBA wanted to go after Rajon Rondo. Yeah, which no, no team in the NBA has enough assets to acquire Rajon Rondo. The Rockets did want him, but the Celtics wanted Chandler Parsons. and Which is only fair. Rondo it, is a top-five point guard, regardless of what anybody out there believes. And Chandler Parsons is a pretty good player that if they take that away from Houston, and even if they include Rondo, yeah, you're, you're back to square one. I also wanted to make a note, Frankie. Um, the 76ers have six second-round picks in this draft and two lottery picks. <laughs> in the supposed deepest draft in a decade. Isn't that incredible? They they have like 10 picks, I think, total. Well, that that would be eight. Well, that'd be eight. I, 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 th- I think they have three first-rounders and six second-rounders. I'm not sure, though. But they definitely got two first-rounders. And, and they still have Nolens Noel... 
who will come back next season. And yep. he is a fucking major wild card for that team. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get with him. You know, that GM, I think he knows what he's doing. They're following the Oklahoma City model, which is very hard to execute to perfection. Mm-hmm. But they definitely got enough picks to try. I can tell you that. Yeah, maybe Jesus. maybe in a couple years. Maybe in a couple years they will be a powerhouse. You never know. And now it's time for our top 10 NBA rankings. I will begin today. Number 10, the only Canadian team in the NBA, the Toronto Raptors. Number 9, the Chicago Bulls. Number 8, the Phoenix Suns. Number 7, the LA Clippers. Number 6, the San Antonio Spurs. Number 5, Portland Trailblazers. Number 4, Houston Rockets. Number 3, Oklahoma City Thunder. Number 2, Indiana Pacers. And number 1, your two-time defending NBA champions, Miami Heat. Tony, take it away. At number 10, I got the Phoenix Suns. Number 9, the Bulls of Chicago. Number 8, the Toronto Raptors. Number 7, the Houston Rockets. Number 6, the Portland Trailblazers. Number 5, the Los Angeles Clippers. Number 4, the Indiana Pacers. Number 3, the Miami Heat. Number 2, the San Antonio Spurs. And number 1, the Oklahoma City Sonics. And that was NBA News. And now it's time for What's Your Fantasy with the Wizard of the Waiver Wire, Tony D'Agostino. Well, first up, we got some waiver wire gems in the NBA. Markeith Morris of the Phoenix Suns. I believe Frankie picked him up last week, and he has been on a tear. Patty Mills, San Antonio Spurs, he's been getting a lot of playing time lately with the injuries to, I believe, Ginobili and Tony Parker. He's worth the addition for the next few weeks anyways. Jody Meeks, since uh, I don't know what's going on in Los Angeles. Frank, what's going on in Los Angeles? Did you see the starting five for Sunday's game? No, I would not bother oh my to God, watch I that think, fucking team right I think now. Marshawn Brooks was in the starting lineup, which blows my mind. I think Jody Meeks was as well. Uh, ever since they traded Steve Blake, the, the guard spots are just up for grabs. Jody makes a good pickup because he will score points. Lou Williams, very interesting case. Still recovering from a torn ACL, but he's been playing all year, very sparingly, starting the round in the form a little bit. Maybe if you need him for a stretch playoff run, I would advise picking him up. Enos Cantor, Frank, one of your favorites. Yep, sure is. Uh, he is, he's been pretty good lately. I think 20 points in his last three, 20 or more points that is, in his last three games. Derek Favors is injured right now, so Enos Cantor is taking advantage of the opportunity. Brandon Bass, Boston Celtics. He's been chipping in, chipping in lately, starting for the lowly Celtics. Yeah, they need something. <laughs> uh, he's worth a look in deep leagues because he will get solid rebound and point numbers. And that is all the waiver wire gems because there's not very many this year, as I've said in the past. Moving on to a hockey tidbit, John Tavares, as everyone should know by now, got injured in the Olympics. And if you're like me and you got a championship caliber team that just lost its best player, what do you do? Frank, what would you do? What do you got for me? I would try to pick up any center that you could. I mean, you're not going to fill what he did. You're not. And um, one choice would be Gustav Nyquist of the Detroit Red Wings. 
I believe Henrik Zetterberg is out the rest of the year also because of an injury in the Olympics, and Nyquist was already playing on the first line. So he should continue to play on the first line the rest of the year, and he is a very good goal scorer. I would advise you, and you as well, Frank, to go and see if he's available. And that is all I got for you. And that was What's Your Fantasy with the Wizard of the Waiver Wire, Tony D'Agostino. It is now time for the College Corner, featuring the mastodon of March Madness, the one, the only, Frank Markasek. Thank you very much, and we're going to start off this week with top 10 rankings for college basketball. We definitely had a shakeup, and we have a new number one team this week. Number 10, the St. Louis Billikens. Number 9, Doug McDermott and the Creighton Blue Jays. Number 8, Virginia Cavaliers. Number 7, Louisville Cardinals. Number 6, Syracuse Orange. Number 5, Kansas Jayhawks. Number 4, Duke Blue Devils. Number 3, Arizona Wildcats. Number 2, the Wichita State Shockers. By the way, the only undefeated team left in college basketball. And the number one team in the nation this week, the Florida Gators. One team that has exceeded anyone's wildest expectations is Virginia, who is 23-5 and and just keeps on winning. They have won 14 out of their last 15 games and are atop the ACC standings. Virginia could win their first ACC title since 2007. The offense is among one of the worst in college basketball, and Virginia only has two players scoring in double figures a season. However, head coach Tony Bennett has the Cavaliers leading the nation in points allowed, only giving up 55 and a half per game. His name's Tony Bennett? Yeah. (laughs) Virginia has one more very difficult game left in the regular season, which is at home against Syracuse on March 1st. This team, I think, will make the Sweet 16 because even though they're great defensively, all it takes is one game in the tournament to not be superior on the defensive end, which is why I'm not sold on Virginia being a title contender. And if Malcolm Brogdon and Joe Harris can't score, then they are screwed. My game of the week is between top 25 teams Louisville and Memphis on Saturday, March 1st. Louisville is 23-4 and and are the defending national champions, and even though they have lost some key players, they still have senior point guard Russ Smith, who averages almost 18 points, 4.5 assists, and almost 2 steals per game. Memphis is 21-6 and and have one of the best backcourts in the nation in Joe Jackson and Michael Dixon Jr. As far as I'm concerned, I just don't see Memphis as a team that can hang with the big boys. And whenever a real great team faces them, the Tigers can't handle the pressure. I have Louisville winning 76-64. to And my big man on campus this week will never be anyone from Northwestern because they can't even make a tournament. But for real... My big man on campus this week is Andrew Wiggins from Kansas. Wiggins averaged 20 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 blocks this week and is showing every game why he is still among the top players in college basketball. Wiggins, who is from Ontario, Canada, has been a major factor in getting his Jayhawks back in the top 5. Wiggins is averaging 16 points, 6 rebounds, and just under 2 assists per game. Wiggins was thought as being the consensus number 1 pick for June's draft, but he might get challenged by his teammate Joel Embiid, who is making quite a name for himself this season. I really do like Wiggins' game, but he is 6'8 and only 200 pounds, and I feel that he is too skinny for the NBA game, and I would love to see Andrew gain 20 to 30 more pounds. If I were a betting man, I would say that Wiggins will go number two to probably Milwaukee or Utah. Tony, you know what time it is? I sure do. It's time to name that 
college. Oh, boy. I will give you five clues. Once I'm done with the five clues. Yeah, I know the rules. You will give me one response only. Oh, really? Just one. Just one. All right, I'll sit here like you then and think about it for 10 minutes. Cool. Uh, Can't wait. I hope the 10 subscribers can't wait either. Yep, go ahead. First clue, western part of the United States. Number two, Reggie Miller went there. Number three, Dick Vermeil used to be a head coach here. Number four, this college made the final four three years in a row in the 2000s. Number five, a former head coach in basketball for this school is nicknamed the Wizard of blank. I can't tell you what the blank is because that would give it away. Tony, (laughs) name that college. What was the... Did you say something about Dick Vermeil? Yeah, Dick Vermeil used to be a head coach there. UCLA. That is correct. I didn't know that because of Dick Vermeil. I knew that because of Reggie Miller. Thank you. No problem. And that was the college, college, college corner, 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 corner with corner, the mastodon of March Madness. The one, the only, Frank Markusek. And now it's time to talk about the Olympics. No more hearing about sports that people only care about for two weeks every four years. Canada won the gold medal in men's hockey, defeating Sweden 3-0 on February 23rd. Congratulations, Jonathan Tate And Patrick Sharp. And Duncan Keith. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> the U.S. didn't even medal and got their asses kicked by Finland in the bronze medal game, losing 5 to nothing. Russia ended up winning the most medals with 33, United States was second with 28, and Norway was third with 26. It was strange that all these big-name athletes from the U.S., like Lolo Jones, Sean White, and Shawnee Davis, all disappointed and didn't even medal. Lolo Jones had no clue what the fuck she was doing. She shouldn't have even been there, to be honest. I know. All hype, no action. Slovenia's Tina Mize did what no one expected, and that's when two gold medals in the downhill and giant slalom, which were also the only gold medals that Slovenia has ever won in their history in the Winter Olympics. Go Slovenia. There was plenty of controversy surrounding the games, whether it was the saga behind Russia's Viktor An moving from South Korea and winning a gold medal for his new country. And not knowing the national anthem words of Russia. Are you serious? Yeah, I saw that last night. (laughs) Or even when Russian Adelina Sadnikova won gold in women's figure skating and searched for family and friends with whom to celebrate, and cameras caught her hugging and receiving warm congrats from a woman who had just been judging the event minutes before. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's definitely <laughs> caused some controversy, man. That's like a pipe to the knee. <laughs> to me... The Winter Games just doesn't have the same effect on me as the Summer Olympics do. Maybe it has to do with all the lingo in most of these events that I simply will never understand. Tony, I know you can agree with me on this. Thank God the Winter Olympics are finally over. Yeah, they should add uh, foosball to the Winter Olympics so I can be an Olympian. Would you agree, Frank? If curling's in there, why can't foosball be? You got none for me? All right. Yeah. What about bowling in the Summer Olympics then? Yeah. You might as well just put them in there. Is too. bowling Shit. a sport? You you tell me this all the time, all these sports that aren't sports. Is bowling a sport? Um, honestly, I don't think so. Why not? It's just a game. It's It involves skill, though. Yeah, hand-eye coordination. Wouldn't that be defined as a sport then? Some people could say that it is. Some people are not going to say it is. I mean, it's not easy to bowl well consistently. 
and people that are professionals have to bowl like 20, 25 games. And that could take that a takes t- a toll on you. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. I guess that's up for debate. But foosball, I don't know. I was just joking, but yeah. I'm glad the Olympics are over. Now we can get back to the NHL season. Fuck yeah. And we don't have to worry about this for another four years. You're right. And that was Olympic news. And now it's time for Remember When. And this week we remember... When Steve McNair was shot and killed by his mistress on July 4th, 2009. In another chapter of a sad post-football life. It was unfortunate it ended the way it did for him. However, it doesn't take away from what he accomplished on the field. McNair was a three-sports star in high school. Big programs such as Florida State, Miami, and Ohio State all expressed heavy interest. But they wanted McNair to play safety. He grew up in the wrong era. Big-time schools didn't like the idea of an African-American quarterback. McNair obviously wanted to be a quarterback. And back then, the only way to do that was to go to a historically black school. He chose Alcorn State, a Division II program. What's interesting is Anquan Bolden was Florida's Mr. Football in 1998 as a strong-armed QB. Florida State made him change to wide receiver. There potentially could have been a lot more black QBs if colleges got rid of these stereotypes earlier. McNair was extremely impressive at Alcorn State and caught the eyes of many NFL scouts. There was no doubt that he was the best black QB anybody had ever seen at that point. The Houston Oilers drafted him third overall in 1995. It was at that point that it was obvious McNair would eventually pave the way for the likes of Cam Newton and E.J. Manuel. In the 1999 season, he took his team within one yard of winning the Super Bowl. He also split an MVP award with Peyton Manning in 2003. When people talk African-American QBs, Steve McNair is a name that should immediately come to mind without hesitation. Frankie, what do you think about Steve McNair? Steve McNair was a damn good quarterback. He really was. He had all the tools. All of them. He could mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. On the field, it seemed like he had it together. But off the field, it seemed like he had no clue. Mm-hmm. That was a big problem. Big problem. And that was Remember When. And now it's time for Back in the Day. When we look back at major sports events for the day of February 24th. Take it away, Frankie. On this day in 1980, the U.S. Olympic hockey team defeated Finland 4-2 to win the gold medal. And a lot of people forget that that Miracle on Ice was actually a semifinal game. In 1982, Wayne Gretzky scored an NHL record 78th goal of the year en route to 92 that season. In 1987, Los Angeles Laker Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored his 36,000th NBA point. And on this day in 2002, Canada defeated the United States 5-2 to win the Men's Ice Hockey Olympic gold medal. And that was back in the day. And now it's time for the final segment of our show, The Final Say. Tony, take it away. Well, as usual, I got some birthdays for you. Honus Wagner would have been 140 today, Frankie. Uh, It's also Nike founder Phil Knight's birthday. Eddie Murray, former baseball player. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Paul Gruber. Jeff Garcia. Uh, Wilson Alvarez, former Chicago White Sox. Alexei Kovalev. Simeon Rice, one of your boys, Frankie. Sure. Mike Lowell, 
Do you remember Mike Lowell, Frank? Sure do. Florida Marlins. Marlins. Yeah, that's Boston correct. Red Sox. Boston Red Sox. Pro golfer Zach Johnson. Uh, Floyd Money Mayweather. That's my boy. Yeah, that's your boy. Uh, Bronson Arroyo. Current Arizona Dimebeck. And Frank's favorite NBA player, Costa Kufos. Ooh, yeah. Happy birthday. Make sure to have some shots for me. My quote of the week goes to Auburn draft prospect D. Ford when he said, People are just looking at the fact that Clowney is a physical specimen. Honestly, if you watch the film, he plays like a blind dog in a meat market. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Frank, it's time for your favorite part of the final say. Uh, name that franchise. I'm going to give you five clues. You know the other rules. You get one guess. Here we go. Clue number one, Frank. Are you ready? Yeah. You don't sound too enthused, so here we go. This team was once the St. Louis Browns as well as the Milwaukee Brewers. Bill Veck owned this franchise at one point. At one juncture, we learned that they spit. They don't swallow. The current nickname of this team regurgitates its food for its children. A player on this team shares the same surname as a famous serial killer. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? What do you got for me? I'm going to give you two guesses. Okay. What do you got for me? Oh. Um, current nickname. This team appreciates its food for its children. Yes. So that's... I'm going to say it's got something to do with a bird. Uh-huh. That's correct. So I'm going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays. That is incorrect. You get one more guess, Frank. Um... St. Louis Cardinals? Nope. It is the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Shit. Uh, that they spit they don't swallow clue was Roberto Alomar, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, from the random rail, the Fritz Power Alliance, which monitors diversity in the NFL, wants the league to institute a rule where players will be penalized for using the N-word. Expect more penalties than ever if owners approve this rule as expected. Jadavian Clowney read a 4-4-40 at the Combine, which is faster than Cam Newton and Kyler Kaepernick's 40 times. These numbers don't mean much, but Clowney is definitely a freak athletic specimen. I don't want to hear about his motor and how he takes plays off. He's still probably going to rack up sacks either way. Nicholas Backstrom was thrown off the Swedish Olympic team for medicine he has been taking for the past seven years. That's pretty ridiculous. Adam Dunn might be going to the Oscars next Sunday. He was an investor in the movie Dallas Buyers Club and also has a cameo as a bartender. That's the, I just can't picture Adam Dunn at the Oscars for some reason. I don't know why. And I'm Tony Diagostino, and that's my final say. Hulk Hogan comes back to Monday Night Raw on February 24th, and well, I have to wonder why. Now, I was a huge wrestling fan back in the day, but nowadays the WWE is watered down and doesn't have the same magic that it had in the late 90s to early 2000s. Ever since Vince McMahon bought out his main competition, WCW, this is all about ratings and getting people to watch wrestling on TV before the biggest event for WWE every year, WrestleMania. If Hogan had a managerial role, I'm fine with that. I sure hope he doesn't wrestle because his steroid-infused body is more beat up than a hooker's pussy. 
Hulk Hogan is the biggest name in the history of wrestling, and there probably won't be anyone like him ever again. And although he's a terrible in-ring performer, the entertainment value that he still possesses still carries weight in today's generation. Ray Rice and his fiancée were arrested in an Atlantic City, New Jersey casino due to a domestic dispute on February 15th. TMZ has posted a video of Rice dragging his fiancée after she was knocked out unconscious by him. The Ravens are taking this issue very seriously and are waiting from God, otherwise known as Roger Goodell, if Rice will indeed be suspended or fined due to his ridiculous behavior. Some have even wondered if Rice will be released from the Ravens, but I don't think that will happen, which is it's pretty drastic. By the way, Rice and his fiancée still plan on getting married. I don't care who you are. No man should hit a woman. And he should be ashamed of himself for his actions. But his fiance also does have some blame in this, as she also was fighting Rice. Still, Rice shouldn't be fighting his fiance, but instead be fighting again in the end zone, because we all know he had a hard time doing that this season. <laughs> I'm Frank the Tank Marksek. And I'm Tony Diagostino. I hope you tune in next week for some more of The Know It Alls. We're out. <laughs>